would remain standing and take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 20. John 20, we'll begin a reading tonight at verse 19 and read through verse 23. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit." If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 1 through 18 of John chapter 20, and we saw John's Witness to the resurrection. We saw two things last Sunday night. That the resurrection of Jesus causes the people of God to have a a renewed hope and a right focus. And tonight we are given assurance. Now we had assurance last week. We knew that Jesus had been raised from the dead. We know from John's account, but we also know from all Four of the Gospels, each of them give us an account of the resurrection of Christ. And it doesn't stop there, for in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul himself gives us a resurrection account. He tells us there in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus was not only seen by, by Cephas, Peter, but by the twelve, and then by over 500 brothers at one time. Paul himself in Acts chapter 9 saw the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. And so we can have all assurance tonight that Jesus was raised from the dead. And the resurrection gave the apostles a a renewed vigor, a renewed hope, a renewed strength for the kingdom of Jesus. That kingdom that many of the apostles would go on and die for. That message that they would go and die for. So who in their right mind would die for a lie? And so we see tonight how the resurrection brings assurance. We have assurance that Jesus was raised from the dead. And tonight, we see his first appearance to the disciples. Again, last week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Tonight, he appears to the disciples. All but one was there, that is Thomas. And we'll look at 
how Jesus appeared to him next week. There are three things I want us to see tonight concerning the resurrection. And the first is this. The resurrection brings the assurance of peace and joy. Verses 19 and 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now John again gives us that time stamp tonight, as he did last week. It was on the first day of the week. That is the day that we now know as Sunday. Again, why do we worship on Sunday, on the first day of the week? Well, we do because of the resurrection of Jesus. From the time of creation until the resurrection of Christ, the the church would meet on the seventh day of the week. But since the resurrection of Christ, the church now gathers on the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. We have Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. That's why we can sing a resurrection hymn tonight and last week. We have 52 Resurrection Sundays a year. And so it was on that first day of the week, the evening of that day. And notice where the disciples were. They were were locked up. Now why were they locked up? Our text tells us they were scared. They were fearful of the Jews. They were fearful that what happened to Jesus would happen to them. And we can understand that to some extent. Degree. After all, just three days earlier, they saw Jesus up on the cross being crucified and and suffering the the wrath of God for our sins and for their sins. And so they they thought, well, if it happened to him, it it could happen to us. So there they are locked away in fear. Now, they were together because of the word that came from Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John. They had communicated that the tomb was empty. Jesus was not there. The body of Jesus was not there. So in the midst of that fear, then we find Jesus just appearing to them. Now, this is something that we see in the Gospels. They will be locked in a room and all of a sudden Jesus just shows up. There he is in his glorified body and he he came and he stood among them. And notice what he said to them. He he said, peace be with you. Now Luke conveys to us that this appearance actually scared the disciples. It probably would have scared us too. We were all locked away in a room and all of a sudden Jesus just appears to us as he did to the disciples. But Jesus comes. And he comes for a reason. He comes to give them peace. He comes to calm their fears. He comes to assure them. That everything is well. He speaks peace to them. Peace be with you. But he, he doesn't just leave them there. He also shows them his hands and his side. Now why, why would he do that? So they know it was him. Now again next week we will 
Look at Jesus appearing to Thomas. But when Thomas was told that Jesus had appeared to the rest of the disciples, he said this in, in verse 25, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Jesus is showing the disciples his hands and his side so that they would know it is him. Not a ghost, not a spirit, but the risen Lord. And not only did the resurrection bring peace, but also joy. Notice they were glad, they were happy, they were joyful that they saw the risen Lord. So just like the disciples, the resurrection of the Lord brings peace and joy to the church. We serve a risen Lord here this evening. We will come in a little bit to the table and we will enjoy communion with our resurrected Lord. Now we do not have the privilege this night of seeing His body. Of seeing Him physically with us. That day will come and and when it comes, everyone will see it. When Jesus comes in the clouds, every eye will see Him. Everyone will know that it is Jesus, but tonight He is with us. He's here. Now He's here by way of His Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that in a little while He will, he will give to His disciples. But Jesus is the head of His body, the, the church. He is the the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence, said Paul in Colossians chapter 1. And so we as the church, we have peace tonight. We have peace because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now that peace is with God and one another. We, we may not have peace with the world. Jesus warns us that we probably won't. The church is at odds with this fallen world. We will probably never be at peace with this fallen world, but we are at peace with God through Christ. We are at peace with one another. And as Arthur Pink states, having put away their sins, he could now remove their fears. And he did just that as he appeared before them. He said, peace be with you. And so that's the first thing we see tonight. The resurrection brings the assurance of peace and joy. But then second of all, we see the resurrection brings assurance for the work of the church. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Here Jesus commissions the church, the apostles to be sent. He gives them the great commission, not in the same words as, as Matthew. Turn back for a moment to Matthew chapter 28. For there we have the more detailed great commission that he gives to his disciples. Verse 16 of Matthew 28, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. 
to the end of the age. And so John gives us another commission of the Lord to the apostles. And the, the apostles were being sent out to do what? To be what? To be ambassadors for the risen Lord. Here after his resurrection, Jesus sends them as the Father had sent him. And why did the Father send Jesus? To die on the cross for the sins of his people. And now the apostles, they are receiving their marching orders. They are to go out in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And so the resurrection gives the church the authority to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, without the resurrection, we have no authority. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then we have no authority to preach the gospel. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And we are even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You see, without the resurrection of Christ, we have no authority as the church. No authority to preach the gospel because if there is no resurrection of Jesus, then the gospel is a lie. But because of the resurrection, the church has been given authority. The apostles here, they have been given authority. They are to go out as the Father is sending them out. And then Jesus prepares them for that work. He gives them the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now this is not the Holy Spirit of regeneration. They already had that. They were already believers. This was the giving of the Holy Spirit so they could go out with boldness. They could go out and preach and teach and baptize in the name of Jesus, as Matthew Henry states, receive ye the Holy Ghost, thus showing that their spiritual life, as well as all their ability for their work, would be derived from Christ and depended upon Christ. And so we too today, we have that gift of the Holy Spirit. We have Him individually as Christians, as these men did as well, but we also have the Holy Spirit corporately. Again, we pray that we would worship God out in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 4. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth. We are to worship in spirits. Holy Spirit helps us, guides us, leads us in our worship, but He leads us in everything that we do as the church. The church can do the mission of proclaiming 
the gospel to every man, woman, and child only as we are led by the Spirit. The church has the assurance of the gospel because of the Spirit working in the hearts of those who hear the gospel. And so as Jesus appeared to his disciples, he he gave them assurance for their work, the work that he was calling them to do. But then third and finally, we see that the resurrection brings the assurance of forgiveness. And Jesus here in verse 23, he says something remarkable to these men. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now some hear that and they say, well, who can forgive sins but God? And they're right, God does forgive our sins through Jesus. But the the church as well has authority. You see, not only was the shedding of the blood of Jesus crucial for forgiveness, but also the resurrection of Jesus was crucial for forgiveness. As we've already stated, if there is no resurrection from the uh, Jesus from the dead, then his death atoned for nothing. If there is no resurrection, then the death of Christ means nothing. No forgiveness of our sins. No being reconciled to God. Again, we hear the words of Paul. We are of all men most to be pitied. If Jesus did not rise, then he was a liar and a false prophet. And that's why God goes to great lengths to to assure us of the resurrection. Again, four gospel accounts. Each man giving a different account, but the same thing is said. Jesus was raised from the dead. Paul giving us his more detailed account and, and how Jesus appeared to many after his resurrection. And so the resurrection is crucial for our justification. If there is no resurrection, then we are not justified before God. If there is no resurrection of Jesus, then we are, our sins are not forgiven. And so now Jesus tells these men that they are to go and they are to forgive sin. And the church is called to do the same thing. We are called upon to forgive sins. Now how is this primarily done? It is primarily done through the preaching of the gospel. See, you don't have to come to me this week and confess your sins. I don't want to hear them. You go to Christ and confess and they are forgiven. But the church has a responsibility as well to, to preach the gospel. The, the principal design of preaching the gospel is this. That men may be reconciled to God. And this is accomplished by the unconditional pardon of sins. You hear about the forgiveness of sins and the assurance of pardon. On Sunday mornings after our confession of sin, that is the church exercising this authority. That if you repent of your sin, you are forgiven. And, and that declaration is made, that promise to you from God and His Word is made that if you truly are in Christ, then your sins are forgiven. Turn back to Matthew chapter 18.
Again, at verse 15, Jesus here speaking, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now what is Jesus saying? He's speaking to his apostles here as well. And he's telling them something. They have a responsibility. The church has a responsibility to settle disputes and, and problems between members. Now you don't immediately take it to the church. There's a process, isn't it? This is the process of church discipline. If one has sinned against you, you go to that person and you tell him his fault. And if, if he repents, then great. You have won your brother. If he doesn't listen, then you take one or two others. You, again, establish it before other witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, then you take it to the church. And notice what Jesus says in verse 18. As the church makes a, a decision, a declaration, what they bind in, on earth is bound in heaven. What they loose on earth is loose in heaven. In other words, if a member of the church is loosed, let go. It's the same in heaven. Because they refuse to repent of their sins. Now the proper forgiveness of sins we know is the sole work of Jesus. But he can and does this through his church. And through his elders. And so the church is called upon to forgive sins. But as we go back to our text. Also the church is called upon to retain sins. What does that mean when Jesus says that if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld? Well, it may be that one comes and seeks out forgiveness, but they are not genuinely repentant in heart. They, they will not repent of their sin. They will not let go of their sins. And, and, and they may say the right words, but, but they're not doing what God requires of them. And so... At that moment in time, the church cannot say your sins are forgiven. Because they have not truly repented of their sins. As we heard from Matthew 18, if one is loose from the church, what is taking place? Well, that person is being given over to Satan, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The man who had his father's wife. So there's a great need in the church of discipline. There's a great need in the church that discipline be practiced. That is one of the true marks of the church. But it's never, it's never fun. It's never a fun thing to do. The elders are, are not relishing the opportunity to, to put someone out of the church. No, it should be done with, with heartache and, and tears. With the hope that that person would be won back for Christ. And so what application can we make here this evening? Well, first of all, let me ask you, do you have peace and joy tonight from knowing the risen Lord? 
He is, he is risen. He is not here. That was the, the testimony of the angels. Christ has been raised from the dead. Now there are many uncertainties in life. And without Jesus they, they remain uncertainties. But with him there is great assurance. We have assurance, peace, and joy that the grave has been defeated. We have assurance, peace, and joy that the Lord will come again for His bride. We have assurance, peace, and joy that one day we too will see the Lord. And when we do so, we will rejoice greatly. Because our Lord has come for us. To take us home. Second, every one of us here this evening, we can fulfill our duty within the church through the help of the Holy Spirit, whatever that is. You know, we all are called to, to work in the church. We're all called to do certain things. We're all called to pray. How do we pray well? Well, by the Spirit. As William Hendrickson states, needless to say, every believer also has an important duty, namely the duty of bearing witness joyfully and incessantly. How do we do that? By the Spirit. You see, without the Holy Spirit, our worship falls flat. Without the Holy Spirit, our, our witnessing has no power. But Jesus has given us His Spirit. And, and we are to go out and we are to tell others of the wonderful news of Jesus. That He was crucified for sin and raised on the third day for our Justification, as Paul states in Romans. Third, with the resurrection comes full assurance of forgiveness. And that's wonderful, isn't it? That we know tonight because of the resurrection of Jesus that all of our sins are forgiven. Yes, the cross was important. He also had to die. He had to suffer the wrath of God on our behalf. But without His resurrection... And all of that means nothing. So we are forgiven tonight because Jesus died and lives again. And each one of us tonight, we must realize that forgiveness comes through knowing Christ and repenting of our sins. And, and we, we are called to repent of our sins. We are called to, to believe in Jesus. And with that, there is assurance. The, the resurrection brings assurance for each individual believer here tonight. Now, sometimes that assurance, it wavers, doesn't it? It's not always as strong as we would like it to be. It wavers, but yet it is still there. The resurrection of Christ brings assurance for the church that our work is not in vain. I hope all of us would love to see this place filled this evening and this morning. To have no room left for people to come and sit. But it's not where we're at right now, is it? But even with less than a half-filled sanctuary here tonight, we have assurance that our work means something to God and to Christ. And so do you have this assurance tonight? you have that assurance that you're Sins are forgiven, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are 
resting in Christ and Him alone for salvation. If so, then thank God tonight because that is His gift of grace to you. But if not, what are you to do? You're to come to Christ. You are to come this evening to the risen Lord. You are to come as you turn from your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus and Him alone. And as you do that, you will have the assurance of salvation. And that assurance is given to us because Jesus has been raised from the dead. You know, we have heard of the assurance that the resurrection brings, but in a moment we're going to come to the table and we join these two things together, the death and resurrection of Christ. Both were needed. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of His people. He, he was raised from the dead for the justification of His people. And so tonight we come rejoicing that the gospel is not in vain. That it is true. That it is real. That it makes a difference in the lives of those who hear it. But what is required of each one of us who hears the gospel this evening is that we are to respond to it. And the right response is to see our need of Christ. Turn from our sin and turn to Jesus and Him alone. And as we do that, we have assurance that our sins are forgiven. Assurance that one day when Christ comes, we will be taken to our eternal home and the new heavens and the new earth with Him. Forever worshiping the risen Lord and worshiping our God. And so may God add His blessing to His word this evening. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that through the resurrection there is great assurance given to us. And Lord, I pray for any who are here tonight that they do not at this moment have that assurance. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would change them, change their hearts. Show them their need of Christ. Show them their need of repentance and faith. And not only show them, but bring them to Christ. Bring them by your Holy Spirit. To give them that assurance of salvation that only Jesus offers. And Lord, as we come to your table, we ask and pray, Lord, that we would come in a worthy manner. That as we do so tonight, that it would be a means of grace to us. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.